Well, we're now passionately late. Good evening and welcome. Randy? Yeah. Uh, I'm not seeing it on, on YouTube. I am. Oh, it says it's streaming on YouTube. Okay. I don't see anything on YouTube either, and I'm here. Hello, everyone. Hey, hello, Nick. It says it's streaming. Hey, Nick. Hi, Don. Hi, Myra. Steve and Margaret and Myra. Hunter. Well, good evening and welcome to... <laughs> off planet radio i am randy moggins even though i might not feel like it um, <laughs> uh, hopefully you folks in youtube are getting this there is delays in streaming and um the zoom people told me we're streaming good evening and welcome my guests tonight are many and come from a wide range of backgrounds I'm going to ask everybody except for the melt people to take cameras down and mute and that way we won't have any interference i want to introduce um two people that have probably done as much as anybody this year and keeping me somewhat active and uh, uh to that i am grateful they come from uh, the podcast, The Melt. It's Chris Snipes and Hunter Muse, the lovely lady on the right or your left, depending on if my screen's reversed. It's her. Yeah. There's <laughs> not mistaking that. They're, 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 they're not gender neutral. That's why I wore red lipstick. And we're only 11 days into the new year. So we got to up our game here. <laughs> we're actually a few minutes into... A new year. Yes. And that's why we're here tonight. So it's in this same way. Um, and good evening to you as well, Don Hart. I am so glad to see you here. Don suffered the slings and arrows of malaise, just like so many of us have. Um, <clears throat> before we start off tonight, a um, couple of things I want to say that... Uh, yeah, YouTube is streaming now. I'm seeing, yeah, because I'm not seeing it on our end. Okay, well, I'll double check the stream. I've got two different computers running here, but it's... I had to go back to your page, Randy. I see it now. Okay, oh, okay. all right, so... good. Well, this is the marvelous train wreck that is off planet radio. This is what happens <laughs> when you we uh, enter we enter the Earth atmosphere after. Um, Eight months of uh, non-engagement. Okay. okay. All right. There we go. Good. Well, this is the marvelous train wreck that is off-planet radio. This is what happens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Somebody re-enters the Earth atmosphere after um, eight gonna, months of non-engagement. He's got uh, okay. somebody needs to mute. There we go. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yep. Mute yeah. the YouTube. Yeah. Mute the YouTube. <laughs> 
I yeah, was very exactly. confused. Exactly. Greetings. Welcome. This is the that that familiar laugh is of course the lovely Danishka, otherwise known as Nish, who comes from the cosmic salon and the obelisk and you know, just kick your credentials for you. Um. <laughs> well, hello, Randy. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure oh. to be here, especially the year of the dragon. <laughs> and with us also, who is not on screen and for whom I did not have the time to put up a picture, which is a tragedy because she's a beautiful lady, uh, my good friend, Dana Donlin. Good evening, darling. Hey, I made it. No you video, but it. I made it. You landed. You come from an even worse region than I do sometimes <laughs> in terms of uh, engagement with the uh, other species, shall we, shall we say. And uh, yeah. so this is the moment. Um, <clears throat> I want to thank everybody out there who has been kind and supportive and has had maybe reached out to me or didn't reach out to me and just understood that I had to go away. And um, eight months ago, I had um, a medical incident which required my brain's attention elsewhere. And um, coming back from that's been a trip beyond anything you can imagine. So um, for the people who have continued to support especially on Patreon. I know we lost some people and that's okay because you weren't getting content, but you people that supported me in a time of drought, um, you have my undying thanks um, for staying with us and um, all of you out there as well. It's good to be back. I got good choked up there. So good to have you back. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, we came to talk about the moon, but that was just a pretext. That was like the, the <laughs> sizzle, but not the steak. I don't know how much moon talk we're going to get in. It is the Chinese New Year, and it is a new moon officially. Although I disagree. I disagree profoundly with the U.S. Naval, Naval Observatory's time estimations based on research that um, myself and another couple of people that I worked with did twenty? Here's the Chinese New Year, okay, and it is a new year officially. Although I disagree, I disagree profoundly with who's, the who's everybody mute out, please. Time is uh, yeah, move, mute out, please. Mute to YouTube out because <laughs> it's on delay. That's in case I say <laughs> any bad words. I wouldn't fucking do that. Let him fly, yeah. Randy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're back to Sully again. But it is the year of the dragon in Chinese Chinese calendrical lore. And we follow, you know, I, I kind of got into the Eastern thing as I was building through the eye of the needle and came to found that the... Um, in the Tibetan calendar, which is called the Shala Chakra. I'll screw this up. Never mind. Somebody you can Google it. Um, or your favorite search engine, but uh the, it is a cycle of 60 years marking a demarcation of a century. And so I started following a little bit more about how things are reckoned in the East. 
So this begins the new year in the Lunar New Year tonight with the new moon. And um, it is the year of the dragon. It is technically the year of the wood dragon. Different elements as well are part of the, um, the astrological lore of the East. And so it, I'm going to throw that out as just kind of some kind of interpretive challenge to see where we go with 2024 based on the fact that we've got a dragon and it's made of wood. Anybody anybody want to kick this football or is it already dead? <laughs> Guess not. <laughs> well, it, oh, depends, hell, it depends on what the whole show. It it depends on what you're using. If you're using sidereal right house system, like what uh what year it actually is or what time of the month it is. We don't know. That's the amazing thing about all this is we don't know where the hell we are in time, really. We you can't trust calendars, you can't trust the Julian calendar. You exactly. history history is in the moment. And our projections backwards and forwards occur in the collective conscience. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. It, it's time is the biggest lie in this dimension. It, it really is. And you know, <laughs> I've been battling this time thing for <laughs> decades. I know. And th that's always the thing here with time and these calendars and the idea of time is we get really caught up on dates and ideas of dates when there are people functioning on different calendars just right now in the world, the lunar calendar, the Gregorian yeah. calendar, etc. And then we go back through history and we see the augmentations that have made through leap year and all this. So it's tricky business with dates. Mm -hmm. And I find a lot of people who predict with dates as well, that is a factor. It has to be a factor. How so in terms of predicting with dates? Because it gets really perilous. Just look at Christianity. It's, I mean, they've been waiting for Jesus for how long now? And well, as, as this direction, it plays a, a huge role because everyone's focused on one specific day when that day is completely arbitrary. That's true. So, again, and I said this several years ago in one of the solstice shows, we give meaning to events that we are creating within the fabric of this collective consciousness. In other words, look at uh, Christmas, because it's nearly universal, mainly because it's commercial. And um, all the attention that focuses down to that one day, that one moment, that one memory that somebody's going to get on their Polaroid, oops, no, they can't do that anymore, um, uh, their, their phone, yes, that's what it is, yeah. <laughs> So we're still dealing with this conundrum of time. <laughs> I So I don't officially have a receiver's message right now on this, although I have written down the notes that they give me because I'm still writing for the book. Um, it appears as though what we are in right now and what we're entering into in 2024 is what they're calling the crossover. 
And this began with the solar eclipse across the southwest in October. Was it October 4th, I believe? We had the um, the last uh, major eclipse. And um, that crossed the 33rd parallel, which will be completed next April in the next eclipse. And so, in other words, it will have passed across twice. And in terms of the interpretive methods that I use, that's telling me we're going to begin to see a very sharp spin and a very sharp turn. Fasten your seatbelts. That's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a bumpy ride. And yeah, it is the full spectrum from 2017 to 2024. It's a full ecliptic cycle that focuses here specifically in the United States of the yes. hem Northern Hemisphere. And I think we should look at that very seriously and auspiciously considering all the other stuff, the the Mayan astrology, the Hellenistic stuff, the tropical, the Vedic, it's all culminating in yeah. some very powerful stuff coming down this year. And we are the target here. And so, you know, there's a lot of, I guess, dark, there's a dark tone. And, and we've already kicked off this year in the Gregorian calendar Sure. Quite quite darkly. So here we are in the year of the dragon, which I think gives it another punch. Yeah, it's very ominous. Because um, mythologically, and even in Eastern tradition, we know symbols are dual. <clears throat> they operate both in the dark and in the, in the light. And um, the dragon is, of course, figured in the book of Revelation as well, as being the one that speaks these great lies. You know, people go looking for the Antichrist in the Bible. It's not there. Uh, there's no Antichrist in Revelation. I hate to break it to you, but um, there's a dragon. And it looks like the dragon is rising. It's interesting. Randy, oh, the, sorry, Hunter, go on. In the Carlos Castaneda realm, he talks about the flyer. Yeah. The flyer, it, which very much looks like a dragon. It's kind of a hooved flying creature. Lizard, yeah, reptile. And and one of the people who was capable of uh, capturing it was the man who was supposed to, that he wanted to take over uh, his lineage. And uh, oh. a Tony, Tony, God, geez, he's the head of uh, the Tibetan school in Mexico City. A tone, it's Tony Lama, maybe I could be wrong. That sounds but, right. But he said that uh, the the flyer exists in everyone's mind. Yeah. So what we could posit is that the Antichrist exists mm -hmm. in everyone's mind. So we are seeing this as some kind of a an outward projection, or you know, this we're trying to. Uh, anthropomorphize or or humanize something that is actually something some duality that we have inside of ourselves it's inside ourselves it's also part of an agenda i remember years ago early in the show 
talking to Nick Redfern, the author. Mm-hmm. And Nick came on to talk about something called the Collins family elite. Mm. And the Collins family elite were a group of elite people with the two at the top were both believers in and very strong proponents of bringing forward the apocalypse as most people biblically picture it. It's all they they also were behind the scenes with the UFO, the high end UFO contact information. So <clears throat> in our reality, we sort of have the weaving of webs that come. Is it chicken or egg? I mean, is it because these things were planted there for us as sort of the soil, so to speak? Or did we germinate them ourselves as part of the collective prophetic engine that's that's generating this reality? Well, it's interesting that there's all this attention being placed on the election. Mm. And all there's this louche that is really being stirred up, this fear mongering that's really happening around yeah. the election. So what is that really serving? Well, this is well, huge because go ahead. There's been more polarization, not just with the surface things, not just with race and politics, but I've seen mo- more polarization with people being either extremely negative or extremely positive. And it's very concerning because people are losing their middle ground and they're going to one side or the other, either darkness or light, if you want to put it that way. Strong divergence right now. And you're seeing it, (laughs) the whole political scene, which is now political, judicial, um, is playing out a very strong schism between polar opposites that represent the most extreme views. And when I say that, I'm not I'm representing anybody as an extremist. I'm saying that these are coming, again, from the same web work, the same, because it has an emotional background to it. This isn't just mental. It's not just events playing out. There's a whole emotional energy that's in this whole meld somewhere. I said meld, not melt. (laughs) (laughs) My ears pricked up. That's okay. That's good. They look good when they're pricked up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Duality, very duality based. I think that's why two part, our two political, two party political system is, fits uh, and is adopted to be put as a template on so much of our social reality because it's an easy duality to refer to. Um, But I think that's too simple. I think there's much more than two things going on, two extremes. The the extremes are the sexy things to look at because they exemplify, you know, the highly negative or the highly positive, but there's so much nuance in there and there may be something past those extremes too. Maybe it's more spherical than it is sort of this pendulum metaphor. Uh, I, dualism bugs me. I don't know why. I mean, it's just. But it, it does because it's a myth. First off, in any dualistic system, there's an outside third factor. That's a whole much longer rant. It reminds me of the scapegoat. 
you know, the biblical scapegoat. In other words, something has to be unleashed from the myths to theoretically carry away the sins of the collective. So in the fabric right now, the dark side's getting the most notice, but there's people that are rejecting duality. They're rejecting the concept that they have to choose between A and B, left, right, da 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 da, da whatever. Mm -hmm. Goodness, I almost spoke in tongues there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let it flow. <laughs> you need a snake. <laughs> no, you know, thank you. One of the things, though, about the dragon energy, and just to bring it back to the dragon, is I come from this space where the dragons are a powerful mystical beings mm -hmm. and and so i have a little more maybe of that asianic view of them but i see them as uh keepers of wisdom keepers of secrets guarders of the jewels and they have a lot of uh depth in that sense now there's of course quetzalcoatl and all this that i think there was a good description of that earlier I think it was you, um, Mr. Snipes, who who brought that up. Perhaps I could be wrong, but there is a dual dualistic aspect here too, because in the Christian pantheon, they do have a a more dark, sinister side. But yeah, it is important to remember yeah. that a whole yeah. portion of the world values the dragon and also the dragon bloodline which mm. i believe jesus christ is part of shane will be in here in a little while maybe we can update that because it's an interesting place to go um, i even in the biblical narrative is the dragon really bad or is he the change agent and this is good point kind of where I go with the dragon imagery that I was getting when I was just sitting down and even, you know, meditating over the show was that this dragon thing was a change agent, that there was something in it. And then when I saw that the, the element was wood, you automatically consider that wood is something that you build with. You shape, you shape wood, you, you, you fuse it into an image. So in a way, maybe this is a change agent, and maybe this is where we turn the corner or go through the crossover, and we begin to see the fruits of what's really been sown out there in the human collective that we're not hearing about from, you know, big tech media, political machine, or the pharma, or any of the other um, large collectives. Or the emergence of so-called AI, which is just now branding. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I went to do something here on Zoom, and it popped up this whole long thing about something with AI. And I'm just like, you know what? Just leave me alone. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, 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 we're kind of seeing the separation of the synthetic and the more organic. Yes. And so there's... To me, the wood image kind of gives it this alchemical side. Well, uh, and this is one of the great nuances in the Chinese 
uh, Pantheon with all this is, you know, it's also, you know, there's the elements of wood and fire and all yeah. this. And that gives us an idea that there's dimension here. It's not just uh, one way. There yeah. are, are elements involved. And we see this in other astrological systems. But it's important for people that don't understand that there is nuance baked into these stories and into these mythos that people project into. And for, you know, just for people whose year it is, year the dragon in the in the tradition of it this is your year this is like the year you should mm. take take a step forward and make the most of it bring forward what it is you want really to happen because all the forces are there to push you forward and help you create so if this is the year you finally want to do a podcast you will have these forces helping you, working with you. And uh, it's like a kiss from the gods. And so just on that note alone, I always make sure to utilize my year, the year of the cock. Thank you, the woodcock. And um, <laughs> I am never going to say oh, rooster. Boy. I love the word cock. I like so. it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Bring it on, baby. Bring it. And so – uh, you know, I made sure uh, Jerry and I started Nox Mente. I made sure when my year came around in the Chinese Zodiac that I was going to do something and look for as much success as possible. And it turned out to be very fruitful. And I had missed a year and I was so sad because it's a 12 year cycle. But the year, the time before that, I also took part in pushing forward with these energies, aligning with them. And that was fruitful. And I, I don't know, it's, I guess, this playing with these energies and playing with these ideas because millions, if not billions of people feed it and feed its power. And so we can turn this towards something workable for us. So something like the dragon puts me in detriment because I believe it's the opposite side of the, or close by. Um, so it's a challenging year for all you cocks out there, but we'll get by. And uh, to work with the negative aspects of the dragon and how that may affect other aspects of the wheel of the Chinese year. So I don't know, you know, Randy, I love to embrace these kinds of energies. And I think it's a reminder of how diverse the world outside of us is. It's not all just one way. It's not all just Christian or Hindu or pagan. It's exactly. a mix. And from each one of these systems, we can come away with Again, alchemical raw material to work with imagery, because that's what that's what we basically are. We're envisioners. We're, our DNA is designed for us to create, to take raw material, and even time can be a raw material because it exists. Because we said it existed, we agreed on it. And God damn it, you better be wearing a watch and have a calendar <laughs> strapped to your ass because otherwise, um, you know, you're screwed in this system. I've been screwed my whole life. I'm hardly ever on time, even for this show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, much to Chris's consternation, I have every clock in the house set to a different time because it Ooh. is 
contrary. And what I, what I feel is important is to use kind of your own inner guide as your clock or as your time, which I know has constraints when you have a job and you have to be somewhere at a specific time. Uh, but I think that the reliance on this, the system is the thing that we are, have learned in the past three years is, is an outmoded uh, reality. And it's not necessarily that's most beneficial for us. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's funny that you bring that up. The bright side, if you can call it that, of what we went through from 2020 through to 2023, but especially that period that was supposed to be one week, remember? And then it got extended to three months, and then they were like, well, they didn't have to put a little slack in the rope. We really want to keep this thing going. But we had a point in time where I can remember how quiet it was. There were no planes. There weren't a lot of people moving around. Everybody was scared out of their wits. Yeah. Um, you know, outside the obvious toilet paper wars and stuff. For the most part, <laughs> people were people were um people were forced to deal with themselves. Which, you know, for many people in the mainstream, that's a difficult prospect of staring at four walls in yourself. And it drove some people crazy and it drove some people sane. And in some cases, the crazy people were the ones that turned about out to be the new savants that are that are moving into what we'll say is our end of the spectrum. You know, the woo-woo world, the uh, the place where, where everything is possible and um, where we are kind of dissolving the ties of this system in a kind of interesting way. I was going somewhere with that. I forgot. Uh, to, to... I think you're right. I think what has happened has necessitated people uh, taking the reins of their lives and actually being... Uh, more autonomous. And I think that is the unintended consequence of the initial two-week lockdown. I think what what the this predatorial race was surprised by is how compliant people were. There were the outliers who refused to wear masks, who had to, who were the quote unquote essential workers who were right. DoorDash and Instacart and kind of forced to be out into in the world. But here we are three going on four years later and there's still people wearing fucking masks in their car alone yeah. <laughs> with a cigarette. I love the mask with yeah. in the rolled up window. But Dorito does. <laughs> so it's a I, you know, silly world it is oh a silly God. world and it's so bizarre That's... to see that that there have are people who have just really doubled down on this like the more uh evidence you share with them the less interested they yeah, are yeah. in evidence i think that's that's a good uh tangible sign of how people have concretized the dualism they picked their side of the pendulum swing and they're staying with it no matter what light anybody shines on it, no matter what facts they're enlightened with. They're sticking with it because they don't want to be associated with the other tribe. 
So it's just divide. They're dividing themselves and they're sticking to their story, even though it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Boom. Doubling down. And that's what there's a lot of that going on. Well, the doubling down and the dividing, the divisiveness is clear. And one of the things that is happening and continuing to happen is this revealing that's going on. And this becomes for me part of the greater story of the dragon energy period but we do see this in revelation as well which is a damn juicy book in the bible uh and the revealing of what has been hidden in the dark what is the dragon it's a fire breather it brings light but it also burns away bullshit too and so we've mm. got to think about all the nuance that happens because where we are now, it's time to plug in the woo to make things fit. I've got wolves barking. <laughs> Perfect. Nothing better than wolves barking on a moonless night. Yeah. <laughs> anybody Nish's remember cottage. Wolfman Jack, by the way? I yeah. loved him. Yes, the, the great voice. <laughs> wow. I think Dana would like to say something. Dana? Dana. Oh, I was just going to say, I see the dragon energy as power and a burning and a yearning to accomplish and manifest. And Ooh. the people who are still wearing masks, who are still stuck in fear and stuck in what they think is the right thing to do, can't manifest. They're completely blocked. And so I think this is the time for people like your listeners and us to realize, use this power to manifest the world that we want. Yeah. Yep. It's malleable right now. The fabric, the alchemy. Yeah. We're, we're, Dana and I have had interesting conversations about manifesting things. And um, that goes into healing. That goes into even my whole healing journey in that um, <clears throat> the world wants you to believe you're ill or broke or destitute or ugly or pick one and then tag you with that. And so, you know, a lot of alchemy now is really just mining out of this system of constraint. Yeah, it's time for us all to just create our own realities because our entire society is based now on being a victim and not having any control. And that's just helping the elites run everything. And I think if we use the power of the dragon to just stand up for what we actually believe in and to hell with everybody else and just say, this is my reality and I'm going to be authentic and create it and go from there and use the power of this year to create. Ride the dragon. How what? does that, um, Dana, how does that play with, so say the collective conscience, let's just say the collective and, and take out the inner versus outer part, but we all know how this works. Say the collective right. is having an experience Let's go back to 
the pandemic experience, how does one buck up against the collective voice and create and manifest within that if you are locked in? Of course, these are choices we made, right? But if you're locked in and you've lost your job because you don't want to take that shot and the walls are crumbling in because of the causality of you didn't want to take the shot and now you can't pay the bills and they're going to take your house, et cetera, because there were a lot of stories like that. I knew that story affected many people I know, including small business owners. Mm. Well, it affected know, it, it all of it that to, way. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to the basics of, of magic. I mean, magic is just using your will to manifest someone and it works when your will is more powerful than the other person's will or the other situation's will or, you know. So I think enough people have to say no, enough people to, for it to hit the collective consciousness. Enough people have to say enough, no more, no more. And simply refuse, just don't comply. And people had to make really awful choices. And I'm really fortunate that I did not have to make that awful choice. Um, but it goes back to being authentic and honest with ourselves, and finding our power and saying, which thing is more important to me and getting down to the base level of our belief system. And if your house is more important and the material things are more important, that's okay. That's okay. But have that be an absolute decision so you don't feel forced because we always have a choice. We always have a choice. And I think enough people are, hate the term, but waking up now and seeing what's going on. And I know in my area, um, people are waking up like crazy and just saying, no, I'm not doing it and I'm not having it. And those of us who do manifest have to step up and help them by assisting in that creation. And I think that's where the dragon energy comes in. I, I like the idea of that. And, and this didn't affect me. My bubble's great. My bubble's always beautiful. That's what I manifest, beauty and love and, and luxuriousness and all that. But I see around me, there's a sea of the collective, like an egregore feeding into all the darkness. There's an invasion going on in the Western world. And I'm saying hell no to that, but it's not stopping it because it apparently appears that enough people aren't saying hell no to that or we wouldn't have it. And so this is the thing that is complex about this idea that there is a steamroller that is fed, organized, and completely focused on the folk. And it appears that if we're looking at it and seeing it out in the world, which it's real out there, then not enough of us have stood up and said, hell no, because it's still happening and it's getting worse. And for like business owners, if you have an LLC, you are fucked. And if you're moving around, if you, you know, it used to be if you made over 
under 20,000, you didn't have to report it to the thugs that take away from us, that extort our money. Now it's, I think, 5,000 is what I heard. And if you move around more than $600, you have the eye of Sauron on you. And so I'm not I'm not having any of that. I, I resist all of that. I stand in complete and utter defiance of it, but it is still happening. And they just hired 87,000 new thugs to come to our doors. And this is for people that don't know this is in America. And so I'm wondering how does this idea work? Because uh, I don't see that it enough people are standing up and I have a long history with magic. That's where I started. I was blessed to not be brought into, um, into, I was blessed to be brought into a magical household with people that think magically. And that was a part of my life. So I, I get those principles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think they're trying to keep everyone down. That's obvious. But I don't think people can change until they realize they can manifest their life. That's the problem. You know, and how do you teach people that? The only way I know is by example. That's the only way I know. That's it. Right. It's not our job to teach anybody anything. It's not our job to wake anybody up. It's not our job to... Uh, give people business advice or tell them to let their house go or any of it. I think that's something that has been made so abundantly clear in the past four years is that for people like me who have been in this space for over 50 years, it's so like, I feel like I do a lot of handholding and a lot of coddling and it's going to be okay. Uh, but this is this has been a slow slog to get where we are. So if you have, you know, $50,000 worth of credit card debt and you are working in a job that you hate and you have kids in a school that they hate and you've given your children iPhones and you've created your reality. You have carved out a reality sorry, sorry. that is very much entrenched in the system. So I think the the first step is to observe yourself and look at what you are holding, what you are bolstering and what you are holding up and saying, propping up and saying, this is life. And these are the things that are, that are important because I think giving up your sovereignty to keep a shitty job that you hate is not really a good exchange for me. That's not a good trade-off. You oh, buy I a car to go to work, then you go to work to buy the car to take you to the work from the house that you finance so that you could live near the place that you work, take the car to go to work. Right. Sorry, I'm going. How many, you know, non player characters, they're everywhere. I mean, they everywhere. don't understand. Um, thank you. Right. But that's they, not my problem. <laughs> it's not my yeah. problem. That, that's the not, thing is, it's not your problem, Hunter, and I get that. It's not my problem either. Yeah. But the it, what is happening, though, is at our doors. And so what do you do? I mean, the 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 stagnation situation is actually happening. Yeah, and- I don't buy that. I don't buy that it's at my door. If I'm an alchemist, then I have a I have 
healed my home and I've surrounded my home in a place that's impenetrable and it's not at my door. So I, I believe in word magic and I'm not going to draw this fear thing to me because that doesn't work for me. So Do when you I pay taxes, when all of that, that's a really personal question. That's like asking me if I masturbate every day. How dare you, Nish? Oh, <laughs> girl. I think, well, no, that was... I think what's important <laughs> is that we are, we are not co-creating our reality. We are creating our reality. And so if I go into the world being like, oh, they're coming to my door there, I'm drawing this negativity to me. I, I am saying the door is open for this energy. And what I'm saying is I don't, I don't buy that. So for me, when all of this shit went down and I got fired from my job and I was upset and being told I had to wear a mask and jab and all of this bullshit, I had the come to Jesus moment where I sat down with myself and I said, okay, what, how can I build a world that I can live in? What can I do that serves me and that will help me and that will propel my life forward? And so I made a massive shift and a massive change in my behavior and what I was doing. So I think there, every individual has to have that moment in their own reality and in themselves. And it is not our duty to push someone down the road. I think our ego is like, well, I'm going to show, I'm going to start giving conferences and I'm going to show people how to live and do but like, no, <laughs> different. everyone has a different way of conducting themselves. And we have to be able to understand that and kind of step back a little bit and say, let the NPCs get 60 jabs and you know, trans their yeah. kids and do whatever the fuck they want to do. Just keep <clears throat> that shit over there. I feel you on that, Hunter. And I'm just taking devil's advocate with this yeah. so that we have a good in-depth conversation. And and uh, we are. Yeah, absolutely. With a little bit of with a little bit of friction, which is well, fine. No, with some fire, dragon fire. Dragon fire. <laughs> See, this is a thing. <laughs> In one sense, what's happening is that the system itself is imploding. And so yeah. what we're talking about now, theoretically within the next cycle, which you know, the seven year cycles are spirals. And so <clears throat> what we do in this cycle influences the next cycle, which is another time frame. We will have another eclipse like we had <clears throat> in August of 2017. Mm -hmm. And the platform, the temporal platform will shift again. And things will seem weird compared to what they were before, but that's just the new weird because we're shifting temporal platforms in these cycles and it is our influences. What leached out with in 2017 was effectively a five-year cycle from 2012, which was both the people who were pissed off that the world didn't blow up and pissed off that the spacecraft didn't come to take them out to uh, planet Oranitan somewhere. <laughs> and so we basically have seen a high influx of both sides of this stratification and the machine 
the system is tensioning, pulling on it, pulling it apart. And then and what happens now is this is the this this is just me, but it's cleanup year. And you want to clean up, send a fire breathing dragon in. They will kick ass and get the job done. I think that talking about the negative energy coming in at us, I see it a little bit differently. Um, when I encounter that kind, I mean, when I see someone in the store in a mask, I feel horribly sorry for them. I can't imagine living in that much fear. Yeah. Um, and I think if we share I mean, the people who understand what's going on, no, we're not going to affect, you know, the non-player characters. It's it's not going to happen. But there are those that we can affect just extending our energy and our good manifestations. Instead of accepting any negative or staying away from the negative, just spread it out. That's what I do. You go in somewhere that's awful, change the energy. Absolutely. And I've been screamed at, I've been kicked out of stores. I've had the police called on me. I've been put in many circumstances in the kind of in the heat of all of this, where, you know, it was really a a test of my mettle. Like how, how strong am I truly to have a blue haired land whale come up to me and scream in my face (laughs) and say, why aren't you wearing a mask? <laughs> you know, and what what I recognized, and this is what was so magical about this time, is that what I recognized is what my triggers were. It wasn't about what this person was saying to me. It was how I was receiving that and what I did with that. And what a lot of the folks that I see who have been compliant, they just do not want to be confronted. So the way I deal with that energetically is that I don't look, I don't glare at people. I don't put out negative energy. I don't think negative thoughts about them. I do what you're talking about, Dana, which is I feel empathy. I feel, I truly feel sorry for someone who is so deeply embedded in fear that four years into this insanity, they are still washing their groceries when they get them home and they're constantly doing hand sanitizer and all this shit. I feel sorry for those people, as you said. Well, the hand sanitizer people were very happy about that and keep supporting them. Kill off your natural body biomes and use this hand sanitizer. We're coming up on the uh, top of the hour and um, I want to take a break, probably about seven or eight minutes long enough to um, consume or expel whatever you need to in terms of substances. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I have some ayahuasca that we're going to take. So I- there you go. Always a nice light <laughs> aperitif for the evening is a little ayahuasca. Yeah, definitely. And um, theoretically, what's going to happen in the next segment is we're going to be joined by some other people as well. To um, even more enlarge the conversation, which uh, I will admit 
<laughs> you were waiting for me. I my helium tank's empty. But, uh, <laughs> this is like a variety show. I love it, Randy. A, it kind of <laughs> is like a variety show. Maybe you get Ethel Merman to come out and sing. Oh, I love a parade. <laughs> Where's love Paul? Me some it? Ethel. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's off planet, Jim. But not as you know it. Not as you know it. No. <laughs> can I say, except I can't seem to cue things very well. So that sucks. I'm supposed to have a screen up here that I can just bring in and, um, like a placeholder. Yeah. But I'm not that fast. There we go. All right. Well, it's interesting, I guess. Anyway, we'll do that. We'll do some music. And um, we'll come back on the other side. Awesome. Of Thanks, Randy. Off Planet Radio. Everybody stay where you're at in the... Uh, Thank you. 
This is great, Randy. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Randy? I'm here. Yeah, I'm enjoying this. This is fun. wonder how long it's going to go.
Okay. <clears throat> and we are back with the um, variety version of Off Planet Radio, Off Planet TV. <laughs> so much fun just to uh, just to hang out on this Thursday night. I appreciate so much um, that you guys um, all joined us. I went over and looked at the chat room on YouTube. That's lively. I'm not. I can't. I can't post. Um, the fact that I'm multitasking at all is in itself a miracle, and the fact that I'm doing it at a rather low level is an embarrassment. But um, this is uh, this is live, and um, I'll get better at it. I promise. Oh, anyway, welcome back. We have. Um, We've just really been kicking the football around on the Lunar New Year and the um, whole idea of this Year of the Dragon. And say hi to some of the folks in the chat room as well. We've got Jeff P., Bo, Margaret, Dawn, um, and um, Myra. And who else is here still? Dana's still with us. Nish is with us. Don. Maurice is my never-ending pillar. And I've threatened to make him a producer. By the way, speaking of that, I am looking for somebody who can do producing work. Um, I need some young, eager people who maybe can help me do some of the uh, nuts and bolts. I started to put this broadcast together using what's called OBS, which is Open Broadcast System. <clears throat> and I'm running... Um, a Mac Mini, a mm -hmm. pretty hefty Mac Mini at that. It's got, you know, I, I I quipped it out, but I am also at this at this point where I'm still figuring out how software works mm -hmm. and what doesn't work. So there's plumbing to be done here before we do a full production that includes all the nice things that would um, again set us apart. But they didn't nominate me again this year at the podcast awards, and I'm really pissed off about that because I am one of the first 100 people to ever podcast. That's my claim to fame and I'm sticking to it. Welcome back guys. Welcome back. Let's talk a little bit while we're, while we're waiting here, because there are some other people say hello to Jeff. Did I say hi to Jeff? Good evening. Welcome. we got some people on the line. Dana Donlin is with us. And um, uh, what the hell was I going with that? See, this is what happens when your brain screws up on you. You segue into things and you pre-thread it and you run past it and then you go, shit, I forgot to say that. <laughs> but uh, so again, anybody that wishes to be an off-planet producer, 
uh, a lot of work for not much money. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I can promise you that it's a resume point. And uh, uh, take note out there, Podcast Hall of Fame. I'm waiting. I'm coming for you. And I'm sending a fucking dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in that, in that offer, but I would have to, well, let's talk about it some more. Yeah, we will. We will. Okay. Okay. That would be good. Yeah. We can put you on as a consultant. That's a higher pay level. Okay. Let's go for that. So I don't know where we got to with, with the dragon thing. Um, <clears throat> given the gravity of what this year represents, the fact that we still have the Ukraine war, the Ukraine-Russian war, which has been completely blown out of the headlines by Israel Hamas. Um, you know, even sports does a better job of covering shit than they do world events. We're, <clears throat> we're in an interesting place. Um, I'm a little concerned about the finger that quivers with early stage dementia, or maybe not early anymore, over that red button. And I'm concerned about the fact that we, I don't know who in the hell could possibly be president out of the field of people that are running right now, because they're all disqualifying themselves and each other at the same time. That's, that's really interesting to watch. If you treat it like sports, it's it's like we're now in full frontal combat mode and there's no face masks anymore. <laughs> you probably don't even have a cup in your jock stop. This is real. You got to that before I did. <laughs> <laughs> we we think oh, the same. Here comes Shane. Here comes Shane. Here All comes right. Shane. This was one of the people that um um Sort of the other side of keeping me talking this year was doing um, monthlies with Shane. Well, semi-monthlies, and sometimes the monthlies were a little late. Shane, good evening and welcome. You probably need no introduction. Hello, my friend. <laughs> Hello, my brothers and sisters from other mothers and misters. There How's you go. Fantastic. Good. How are you, my friend? Wonderful. I see a kitty cat. Oh, it's Maurice's kitty cat. Frozen in time. I am wonderful. Yes. We just it's finished doing a Lord of the Rings show. marathon. Oh, All right. Nice. The extended editions or the the theatrical? The extended, yeah. I do the uh, on my Patreon. I do like a commentary on movies. So uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the series Cipher, and we went through all of the Lord of the Rings. Just wrapped up Return of the King tonight. So yes. they are a lot of movie. Yes. Yeah, that is a lot of movie. It was a lot of popcorn. <laughs> a lot of waiting. A lot of waiting. So um, just to bring you up, Shane, on where we were in the first segment tonight, we're discussing the, um, the obviously tonight, officially anyway, is um, New Moon. New Moon, theoretically, is the total absence of the moon. And... Um, I've already discussed my my terms of disagreement with the U.S. Naval Observatory on this, but we'll go by the official record and say it's a new moon tonight, and it is also a new year in the um, Chinese zodiacal calendar, and it is the year of the dragon. And somebody mentioned that, um, you know, we kind of have to bring in 
some of our interstellar brothers and talk a little bit about possibly the connections between that and the Draco. Um, all right. Well, uh, I guess I will uh, listen. That was, yeah, that was, that was aimed right at you, buddy. <laughs> well, um, yeah. I, I, more context. So continue your discussion and then I'll, uh, I'll find a place to jump in. Well, I, I think the discussion was largely the, between the NPCs and the people in this world that are victims and the people who are essentially attempting to build and create new realities, multiple realities, not realities that conform anymore to a world system or realities that conform to what their neighbor thinks or anyone else, but rather building a reality, as Dana was talking about, of of manifestation. And I'm not talking about this in the corny hokum way that has been brought up before, but real magic, real magic that brings forward something from the material. And I think I use the term alchemy to describe how we operate in time as a materium, how time itself is, although intangible, an element that comes into play in how we are perceptually building worlds here within worlds. And that's, um, you know, it's been the trick of the quote unquote dark magicians all along is to convince us of things so that we make it a reality because we do have that ability. And I think that's the part of this, you know, call it by its, its old word apocalypse or uh, unveiling or, you know, unraveling, if you will, um, is that we start to remember. Yeah. I think that the technology being such a direct mimic of what our magic is, is kind of part of what makes us remember. It's been something I've been saying a while, for a while yeah. is I'm not really as afraid of the new technology coming in because I think it's going to have an adverse effect where people are going to, you know, use a AI system, a chat GPT type system and realize, wait a second, I'm capable of doing that. I'm just not using my own hardware properly yet. And that will inspire us a reconnection with what magic is, which is really our just our organic technology. Interesting. Yeah. So when we talk about, um, as, as I pointed out earlier, AI to me right now, because of where it's at in terms of development, is it's probably the same place we were 1982 with the PC. It's more of a marketing term right now. It's not overly developed, at least what you're being given. So I guess we all know that whatever technology they're trotting out to us is very old, very tried, and that they channel it out through chosen vessels. And the AI that we have now, <clears throat> pardon me, is really just the first level of what will be what the phone companies call long-term evolution. The um, development of getting us used to the technologies that they want to bring forward. The training wheels, baby steps. Did you yeah. ever see the, the film Brainstorms? Yes. Christopher Walken. Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood, her last film. Uh, the yep. thing that's interesting about that film is that they are using artificial intelligence to simulate sexual intercourse mm -hmm. with 
basically via a, a form of a, a neural link. Uh, so I think that they, that's pretty predictive, wasn't it? It was absolutely predictive, and it's for me, it's a it's one of these things where there's a slow slog to get these things out to market, but initially it is is this something that the public would want to invest in is this something that people would want to buy is this a way that we could bifurcate society and isolate people because they can still have sexual contact but they don't have to be um physical with someone we literally lived through that do you know what was going on during the during the pandemic uh, um uh, for me it's a things where there's a slow slog to get these things out to market but initially it is is this something that the public would want to invest in is this something that people would want to buy is this a way that we could bifurcate society somebody and needs I to mute out please they'll have sexual contact but they Five, don't six, Weird, zero. I just said all that yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, somebody needs to mute you know what was going on during the... Okay. Yes, there we go. <laughs> there we go. So to kind of yeah, when you have your own words there. coming back at you in the stream, that's... Trippy. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was um, somebody on the phone line. Um, no I'll problem. connect to what you guys were both saying with that, because if you remember early 90s, there was a push towards VR, right? And nobody bought it. Everybody was like, no. First of all, they gave us a really rudimentary version of it, but yep. it was rudimentary at the time right compared to what we know now at the time it actually was more advanced than what video games were at that time right but nobody wanted it it was making people instantly repelled from it so they waited right but to what randy had said about where they're actually at the technology versus what they show us they've had what they're showing us now probably ready since back then but uh now we're getting it and even the way that they've done chat gpt 3 3.5 4 Right. They've conditioned us with that, with iPhone updates and software updates and all of these things. Right. And then, um, yeah, that drip feed that we all really enjoy, it uh, actually does, you know, make people want it in the end, at the end of the day. If it was too much, too fast, people wouldn't want it. Well, in the terms yeah. of conditions, Randy, that you were talking about on Zoom now is giving a uh, zoom the ability to do artificial intelligence using your content so mm -hmm. what the ai uh, feature is now is that they can take all of your content and censor it uh, and reconfigure it and then place that out into the market as though that these are words that you have said that's scary it's right there at the bottom of the screen, the AI companion as well, which is what they um why yeah. they tell us in the terms of services that they put chat, chat GPT in it. And this yeah. is the names thing because um open AI owns chat GPT and open AI has been in the terms of conditions since 2018, right? Just then we knew what chat GPT meant and we were like, wait a second, but they had to do that in order to give us this uh AI companion that is now an option on Zoom. Yeah. Well, and, and to get us to to passively agree to it and see this is an old term now because of the speed of information and the number of times a day that you're using digital product 
and the number of times a day that you don't even realize you've just consented to certain things that are within the terms and conditions. You don't have the option to sit there. You <clears throat> negotiate a contract, pardon me. <clears throat> you generally sit down and I used to take a red pen to a contract and just go through it and red line out whatever I didn't agree to. And then we would negotiate that. There's no negotiation with machines. Mm -hmm. You simply accept the EULA that is thrown at you in order to get to the place that you need to go. Yeah. You know, did I, I didn't agree to the chat, the, the AI thing on Zoom tonight. I clicked ignore mainly because I wanted to get to my work and I didn't want to be distracted by another box flying up. But what you're saying here is largely we're becoming part of what we described years ago in the shows I did with Dr. Shamil Asher, the simulacrum, where they're building, they're world building, their world building on the other side using us as the material. And the difference is, the difference is that we can create from original material or we can create from ex nihilo or nothing. Mm -hmm. If you remember uh, Pokemon Go, one of the yeah, reasons yeah. that that was given to people was because it got people into all the areas that they couldn't see with satellites. So the Google satellites were like, well, there's a bunch of blind spots. What are we going to do? I got an idea. Let's get a bunch of kids to go map those blind spots for us. Yeah. So if you played that game, there would be like incentive areas, like they would call them, uh, I think it was called like a Pokemon gym or something where you go yeah. work out your Pokemon. Got to get them all. Yeah, and they would put that in an area that was maybe under an underpass or inside of a building or something like that where they couldn't get it. But then the kids walking around recording all of that for them with the phone, which is all being fed back to their, um, I forget what Google calls it, but it's like a, they basically just have like an Earth 2.0 or something like that that they've created digitally. And uh, it's just a replica of our world. A couple of years ago, I worked for a company that was doing AI voice recognition work. Actually, it was about three right. years ago. Right. would send questions and I would read them, okay, to teach the computer voices. And I quit because some of the questions were very disturbing. How do I make my husband love me? How do I make my child happy? How do I worship my God? They got, the questions got stranger and stranger, and it was very, very creepy. And I'm thinking, what the hell are they tra training this thing to do? To answer all of our questions, because at some point they expect us to get all of our information and all of our orders from AI? No, it's about sentience. It's, it's, a, it's not about you. It's about you downloading that or uploading that information and then the artificial intelligence becoming sentient. And It's just really both at the same time. Both things are going on. In this sense, a, like I said a, earlier, they are world building too and we are the yeah, material. Exactly. Because they cannot create from original material or out of nothing. Because what AI does not have and what is intrinsic to human intelligence is something they can't synthesize, and that's called imagination. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's like 11 versions of large language models, 
right now. Chat GPT is just the most famous one. Right, right. There's Claude AI. And I, I think the idea is that, and what's interesting in university is that now uh, professors are actually allowing students to use these large language models <laughs> to write fucking term papers and and to write cvs and i mean it's it's, it's writing the news yeah and i can tell you i read enough news every day i scan and one of the things that i have noticed and i doubt that these there are real people even behind the bylines of these articles anymore i go look for them and i can't find them and some of them are anagrams and some of them are names that you can do free association with. Mm -hmm. But when you read the language construction of articles that appear in U.S. publications alone, I can't speak for any of the other nations. The construction of sentences, the use of, of punctuation, the use of syntax is very different in the way that you are taught to write naturally. So when we talk about natural language, we're talking about synthesized semantics. And hence, therefore, we're moving into synthesized semiotics. A lot of S's there, a lot of alliteration. But what I'm saying is that in a way, what they're doing is, is using the language to construct the world fused to the element of the human that they can, cap can capture on a flat screen. And this, years ago, I called this flat screening because that's what we were becoming. That was what we were projecting into our conscious. That's why <clears throat> I felt in order to heal, I had to go away for eight months, almost completely, from devices. As much as possible, these devices were not only harvesting us, but we were, in a sense, merging with them energetically in a way that I don't think the technology completely explains, but I think metaphysics does. Thoughts? If you had to put the number on how many different uh, AI systems there are, and that's in America. We also have to remember that China's doing this and India's doing this and oh, Russia's yeah. doing this. And, and um, you know, during the last election cycle in the U.S., they, they found out a lot about the Russian bot farms that were going on through the United mm. States. They've been using, you know, AI to do that and drive that. And so it's almost indistinguishable now, all the same outlets are saying, from stuff that is made here, right? Because it, it does have that. But um, yeah, it's all of those questions that that were brought up that it's, it's asking you, it's doing that because people are eventually going to ask them. And so they're, they want answers. They want real human answers to that before they attempt to answer them. And um, so, yeah, that's that's why a lot of the early um, training, uh, what do we call them, training programs for the for the large language models had a bunch of really random sounding questions in them for that reason. Then this all came out, the open AI thing and attached to Zoom, um, what, I made miscellaneous as a response to that because they were talking about how Zoom and YouTube and Google were all working with AI uh, large language models to basically record everything we're doing 
and mm -hmm. feed the AI that information. So that was why like the, the idea was, okay, well then let's give it some human stories, right? Let's give it some stories that aren't, you know, what we might call the NCPs on TikTok doing the like, when I say that, I mean the like literal, I don't know if you've seen those videos with the girls who act like NPCs and get like, mm -hmm. you know, likes, likes and everything, right? It's yeah, they usually have large yeah. breasts and yeah, are skinnily right? fat. Yeah. We, we wouldn't be watching if they weren't nice to look at. Exactly, but I... <laughs> exactly. And the same thing with, with the men on there. They're all projecting an image of really hypersexuality. And then, yeah, that uh, human connection that uh, kind of starts usually, or our first big inspiration to develop that comes from our hormones going through puberty and the desire to find the opposite sex. And when we have this digital facilitator for that now, I mean, why leave the house? Right. I could get any star I wanted to. I mean, I can't like pick your favorite uh, actress. I can't convince her to actually have sex with me, but I can definitely get an AI to convince her to have sex with me or at least mimic her having sex with me. And so that's how they're, going to make people want it. And I heard this awesome quote that the scientist was actually talking about the Fermi's paradox, but the quote was, um, if man shakes hands with aliens, it won't be because, be because we overcame nuclear weapons. It will be because we overcame the Xbox, which is just to say that people are enjoying this digital world so much already, right? Going all the way back to the original Xbox that, you know, we are choosing this at the end of the day on mass so um that's that's a lot of where they think they're getting their implied consent from is it's fun and people are attracted to it and so they fall into that attraction well how would how would it not be if you know the whole loose harvesting thing is going on um what better way than to put people into situations where they're generating not just fear and hatred and violence, but they're synthesized at the same time. They're modulated. So you now have basal levels of this aggression to work from. And once you have an algorithm, then the algorithm can expand. I think that's what makes the Apple Watch so, such a powerful tool because what they can do is what the Apple watch can do is monitor your heart rate. When you look at your email, for example, <laughs> you don't even want to measure mine. When I look at my email and it says, has uh, 17,932 unseen emails and you go, I'll never finish this in my life. And I'm not even going to try. <laughs> There's also that whole thing with Amazon warehouses buying a bunch of training data from Facebook because mm -hmm. Facebook can tell when you're going to go to the bathroom, right? And so they wanted that same algorithm so that they could tell when their employees were going to go to the bathroom based on all the camera systems that are in the building, right? Because um, this is another thing, like we're seeing security cameras going up everywhere. I don't think the average person understands how capable those cameras are. Right. Like I worked for a soccer stadium that would fill up with like 40,000 people in it. And if I had any person walk in that stadium who had been banned, my cameras would pick them up and let me know that they were there and track them through the mm -hmm. stadium through for me. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, Don. Um, Don, Don was writing about how much email we have to deal with each day. That was another thing. That was kind of a a break for me when I when I was off was that 
I wasn't forced so much to deal deal with email. In fact, as you know, Shane, I'm, I downright suck at it anyway. But um, email, text messages, we're bombarded with requests for our attention. This is actually one of the original algorithms that played into what we call Web 2.0 was the attention algorithms of how much attention could you pull at any given time from any given person. And the model was largely, yeah, exactly, bombarded. You're bombarded. There's a profusion of things that are constantly coming into your visual field that command you or impel you to interact with some form of electronic formatted uh, messaging. And the effect on that is your neural systems, our neural systems were never built for this. And I'm sorry, but we're not evolving into it either. We're simply, we're simply getting to the place where we've grown used to the technology. And it's almost now like a doldrum part of every day that you're going to deal with this, whereas it didn't exist 30 years ago. For those of you under 30, I apologize for the world you have now. Yeah. I'm sorry. I did this. I invented the internet. I admit it. <laughs> and we're gonna break it. Oh wait, too. no, that was Al Gort. Never, never, never mind. <laughs> I almost feel like I have a form of PTSD because of emails. Because I mean, um, I had yeah. a job where I'd get emails all day from various departments, and that was right around the time I wrote the Ruiner blog. So that thing would blow up with emails every day too. And I remember waking up every morning just dreading. Seeing yes, my dreading. Phone. Mm -hmm. because I didn't know what was going to be there, whether it was going to be some fucking angry, sorry for my language, some angry letter from one of my bosses or, or like whatever it was going to be. I developed this feeling where every day I was waking up, I had this anxiety immediately because I knew I was going to have to look at my phone. So I got smart. I learned how to turn off notifications and only look at them in specific times and things like that. But, you know, that's the average person that is going through this every day. So in a sense, we kind of achieved the man-machine effect for now anyway with external devices and our dependence on said external devices. Well, it's, um, I'm sorry to say this, I'm a person of many contradictions, but few things freak me out more than not knowing where my phone is because I realize that a lot of my life is on that phone. And that's just, that's even just a part of doing business now. I mean, we are we are uh, increasingly becoming immersed in this to the point of contact where what if Elon Musk finally markets his chip? What, you know, what if that chip isn't just useful for giving para paralytics uh, better mobility? What if, what if, what if, what if? And we have to decide, we have to prepare. That's what all this is about right now. It's about preparing for a time when the inevitable is going to make us deal with things that we weren't ready to deal with. Well, there's a very small percentage of the population that is paraplegic. The sales pitch is you yeah. can learn four languages within seconds. You can learn how to do a specific job instantaneously. You won't ever need to read another book again. So I think 
who who is the person who wants to live in that reality? Is it the fast food nation person? Is it someone who sees things as being very transient and doesn't really like the texture of a book or having to make eye contact with another person? I think that the, there's people who would line the blocks trying to get a neural link. It's the instant gratification person. Exactly. Yeah, which is what we've been trained to to believe, that the instant gratification is much more uh, appealing than the long-term working towards it, yeah. patience and, and discipline to achieve it sort of goal. Um, so we're, we're, we're on all of these devices constantly feeding this AI information about our lives and about oh, wait, the way that we interact, the, the roads that we drive, so on and so forth supposedly leading to this moment where the AI goes sentient. This is where I get snacked. I mean, doesn't sentience involve a soul? AIs, exactly. to yeah. my knowledge, do not have souls. Machines don't have souls. Shane, but that didn't stop Dr. What was his name? The Soul of a New Machine. This book was written in the 50s. I don't know that book. The 50s. It was written by an IBM research fellow. I just, I can't remember his name right now. Somebody out there will will Google it for us. Um, the concept of how we define a soul becomes interesting. And it detaches itself. This will get into, we're back to dualistic theology in a way right now. By doing that, because it's subject-object ob reversals mm -hmm. that happen. And man is son of God, is God, doesn't comport to God's system, separates self from God, but not so much because you can't take God out of God, and if you're a God, then you have God in you. And it's the same thing with this AI thing. It's, a, it's an external system. It, it doesn't have the ability to do what the human does, which is to dream themselves into reality. I think and, we made sentient up as a word to be able to be a bridge between something that yeah. contains intelligence but doesn't have a soul, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, by that definition, AI is sentient and has been for a long yeah, time, but has been. it never will have a soul. It's not possible it's um it mimics what we show it it mimics what it learns it mimics yeah. it very 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 well and well enough to convince us that it's sentient or maybe even has a soul right like it's learning our learning all of our language about souls and what we believe it is and all the different attributes we've attributed to it it has all of the information of all of our ndes and every conversation we've ever had like this talking about the soul right so it's obviously going to be able to mimic back to us the characteristics make it appear to have one and appear to be truly sentient. And that's why we will end up calling it sentient or they are already calling it sentient because we've kind of made that word as a transient word for something that doesn't have a soul, have a soul but is intelligent. Right. And um, so, yeah. It, it imitates yeah. sentience. It's okay, so but, a thing data from Star Trek, the next generation, who was okay, a sentient. But what does that mean to you, Randy? What does that mean to you, Shane? Does that mean that it has a personal history, that it has experience that it can draw from, or is it drawing from someone else's experience? Database. It's a database. Yeah. 
both. Yeah, it's a database. Right. It'd be like a clone, if you will, because you could like put the um, memories of the living person, but it's not actually that person. It started at a point in time where you've taken the copy of that person and now it becomes a new person on the end of it. Right. And that clone doesn't have a soul in it. So it's basically the same process. So for an AI system, it's going to develop personality. It's going to develop um, characteristics that are inherently its own, but it's going to be doing that based on its own experience and the knowledge that it's fed. The fact that it already has a baseline of everything we've already put onto the internet is one thing, but then when it starts interacting with us, it's going to start to learn specified behavior, right? Like not just how to convince people, but how to convince Randy, how to convince Shame, how to convince Hunter, right? Mm -hmm. Specifically like that. And um, this goes back like even the, the information they were gathering through a lot of the programs about people like targeted individuals were all going into these computers. And now these computers can just mimic all of that same information back, right? So um, it, can make, it can appear very intelligent. It can appear to have a personality to it, but it's a creation like an actor making up a role. But doesn't it all come back to our biology? I mean, the reason everyone wants these devices is because they make their lives easier in many ways. Think of all the smart appliances, the smart lights. I mean, when people invented the wheel, they used the wheel. They didn't keep carrying things. We're biologically programmed to take the easy route. We're biologically programmed to find human faces and shapes and to listen for human voices. And biologically, we're just programmed to accept if it speaks, it's a human. If it looks like a human, it's a human. And so our own biology is also working against us as this comes in. Yes. Absolutely. Our own expectations of what we think AI is supposed to be as well, based on like the predictive programming of what we've seen in movies. Right. And, um, and then, yeah, ultimately, all it can do is mimic us back to us. So but I think our biology says it's the real thing, even if we're not consciously thinking that. I 100% agree with you. I, yeah. Like I've, I've seen, you know, we I, I've been around a lot of people on acid who talk to walls, right? So, I mean, it's not, it's not beyond regular human experience for us to do stuff like that just to begin with. And then, yeah, add that technology onto it, especially when you start getting into things like, you know, the sexual end of it, where it's all going to start with like real dolls. And those are going to be the first really highly animated robots, right? Because that's where the market is to get the mass production of them out of the way is is in porn just like vr has been vr porn has been super popular over the last 10 years but just starting to become popular in everything else now and um yeah unfortunately sex sells right so that's a lot of why they start in those markets and it's um there's a certain amount of taboo to those markets where people don't like to talk about them right like uh if you go to a sex show, you're not going to be as likely to talk about how creepy the AI sex doll you saw was, as opposed to if you just went to a regular technology show and saw a, a humanoid robot, like say like the Tesla bot or something like that, that you would be more than happy to go tell your friends everything you saw, everything you witnessed it do. But the sex bot at the sex show, you're going to be a little bit less likely to do that, right? So that's another way that they've used that particular market to slowly bring stuff out too well porn and okay. gaming have been the development platforms for advanced software 
if it wasn't for the porn industry, we wouldn't have the engines we have right now that are even driving a, a cast like this because that was the test bed. Well, I that think was the a, demand. It, exactly. I think it depends on what circles you run with, Shane. If you run in my circle, <laughs> it's just a Friday. <laughs> and someone, true, someone true. on the chat just asked, so the adult toy business is done? Uh, and no. In fact, now they... It's now, Yes. It's way more sophisticated where you have an app attached to a vibrator or a dildo so your partner can manipulate that app and, you know, give you all different types of pleasure when you're at a cafe or if you're across town or if you're in a different country. So I think th this idea is ultimately to... Uh, isolate people as much as we possibly can under the guise of connecting people. Yes. So that's the weird conundrum here is like, Oh, well, my husband is out of town and he, and I have this app on my phone. And so now we can still be sexual or we st can still be close, but he's in another country or he's whatever. So that has been the sales pitch and that's been going on for, 20 years in Japan where they've actually created yes. a, a mouth that you can kiss. Your this was a whole field of science called dildonics. Oddly yes. enough, you ever hear it? You've heard of this. Yeah. Of dildonics. It's a thing. Japan does all the cool studies. Japan does all the wild studies <laughs> <laughs> on that stuff. They do. True story. They do. They've yeah. had, yeah. they've had uh sex doll brothels for years now They you know, they're, they are the front runners of this type of tech because there's a it's a it's a different cultural bias that that we have here in the United States where there is still a desire to be connected to another human being physically. Yeah, the Japanese don't have a problem with that. I mean, it's part of a technological society. This was Brzezinski wrote about this 50 years ago. Totally. The technological landscape of Japan is that it was used after the war both to develop and produce microprocessors, most of which we never did in this country. You know, some exceptions, but Japan owned the transistor industry, which meant they owned the semiconductor industry until they began to issue new licenses to other countries and now china sits on the top of that and china is the land of the dragon just just thought i'd throw that in so we thematically have some continuity that's all <laughs> all back it's so interesting the study that i'm doing right now on uh, sex robots and artificial intelligence i was talking to one of my cohorts and I said, you know, I really want to do this study in Japan and I really want to do it in China. And he's Chinese. And he said, oh, it'd be very difficult to get through the IRB in yeah. China because they are so they have such a closed society. They're not going to want to share that data and that information with another country. They're just not going to it, it would be almost impossible to get that research done there. As sure, an a lot of things out of China. 
The, the, the China does all kinds of crazy stuff that we never hear about over here, unless you happen to know someone over there. And it's even hard for them to talk about it because they're constantly being monitored and they can only say so much. So, but that's the way they're doing it. They've been stealing, you know, everything's open sourced in North America. They've just been stealing it and making newer versions of it. Even their quantum computers, like a step ahead of ours, they used a whole new substrate and everything. That's, yeah. They are AI. <laughs> Copy, mimic, and make a slightly better version of it. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't talked about that, but the quantum computing, we're, again, we're at that primordial stage. I mean, so far as we know, what's been presented to us has to be super cooled, but I think we'll get to the place where the stable substrates will make it possible to operate it somewhat more human temperatures and also consume far less energy. China's new one is made in water. So mm -hmm. it doesn't have that problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you want to expand that a little bit? Cause that's oh, intriguing. The ones that we're using are all laser and atom based, right? And um, right. They've, they've figured out how to do that same thing. Instead of in a vacuum, they can do it in water, which means that they don't have to worry about cooling it. And it also transfers slightly faster, I suppose. I'm not a scientist. I can't explain it too well. I just read what they say. And I know a lot of like the quantum computing people in North America are freaked out because of the fact that they achieved it. They didn't think they would. <laughs> I guess whoever... The Chinese side was like, we're going to do this thing. And everyone on this side was like, yeah, good luck with that. And then they did it. And now they're like, uh-oh. So and that's where we're at as of today. Who knows where we'll be five weeks from now because the stuff changes really quickly. The most abundant element on Earth can be the substrate for quantum computing. Now that storage. is fascinating. And data storage, which is even more fascinating. Yeah, Because if they if we just stored all of our data in, like, say, the ocean, that means that you would be able to access that data from any water source on planet Earth. A literal sea of information. A literal sea of information, right? And then that would be, obviously, they're trying to do that with the Internet of Things by, you know, broadcasting it through trees and through people and through cats and through dogs and everything on the Wi-Fi signal. But this would be a step beyond it. This way, even if um, an EMP hit us, we would still have this very stable source of Internet energy and information storage wow you managed to intrigue and terrify me in one spellbinding <laughs> beach you think that we monitor the sun and they don't come on now of course they know what's going on of course there. of course yeah. if you're building tech, and, and the, the, the only real fears in the world is the sun and nish and i have done shows on this we've talked about the field we've talked about the field effect and all of these fields are information fields because ultimately that's what it comes down to. There is a difference, however, in the nature of information, which is binary, which reduces in some format or another to binary hexadecimal or some other format of computer code. But the metaphors are beginning to blend now to the place where natural language is a programming language. Everybody's a computer programmer. You didn't know that. It was the, the you did, but yeah, it's the indoctrination of cybernetics. When people hear cybernetics, they immediately think of like man mixed with like machine on a physical right. level, but it's actually at a thought level first. Well, that's what about. was the classic book um, written by Maxwell Maltz. Yep. 
Psycho-Cybernetics, written in the 1950s, uh, one of the great tomes of self-improvement. And Maltz was talking about this stuff then. There were no chips. There were no computers. IBM was still using the, um, the, the, the punch cards and the magnetic reels. But here we are, and psycho-cybernetics is simply that same aspect being now slipstreamed into quantum and AI. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I think that they're um, talking about Neuralink as being an implant just to get this reaction out of us. I don't think they ever intend on it actually being an implant. I think it's going to be something we can wear that goes on the outside, nice and easy, no yeah. operation. And um, yeah, and then so on a psychological level for probably not us, but the average person who's going, well, I'll never get that. I'm not going to let them go into my brain. As soon as they find out, oh, you just have to put this thing on the side of your head. They'll be like, oh, that's not a big deal. Let me but do how that. many people already got Pfizered? So, yeah. I mean, really, we're, you know. We can't that have that the conversation on this platform, but we can just say that the experiment was well underway and extremely poorly executed, but nevertheless yielded some benefit to those who really want to go through this, this plan to build this software simulacrum. Well, I don't think we even have to have something to wear. I think no, I don't either. Electromagnetic. Oh, Shane just pointed out. I I think it's not even going to be something. It it can be a thought. Like you basically, it's a terms and conditions thing. Like you just agree in your thought, and you are uh, able to connect to the mainframe. Well, that's how they got us to pay income taxes. That's how they get us to comply with laws that aren't laws. That's how they're able to use codes and um, statutes and other legal instruments that really aren't laws that would have some bearing of law within the commercial system. And it's the same thing. The bottom line is if they wanted to do it now without our consent, they could. They don't need any hardware in us at That's all. That's true, like, too. Like you were saying, right? It's yeah. um, the idea of like starting it with something that we wear again, is us taking that step towards consent, right? And then once everyone's doing that, no one's going to question if it's just automatically there. You know, from my, in my own opinion, I think a lot of people's thoughts are already that and um, they mm -hmm. don't even realize it now. So um, when you actually know that the person sitting next to you on the subway is wearing a neural link, you're going to question your thoughts a lot less, right? And, yeah. You can be able to look at them and you're going to know they have shit for brains. So whatever <laughs> we're coming up on the end of this thing i'm going to enforce time tonight we got about five minutes and um this has been real loose this is probably the loosest show i've ever done but in in another way i it was probably one of the most fun just to be able to interact like this and so i want to go around and um, let everybody say whatever they want to be heard saying as we exit out tonight. We just, might as well just start with um, you two. Hunter? Anything you want to say? Or you just want to give our, our info? I am uh, really excited about this year, 2024. Yeah, I me too. I feel like I am turbocharged heading through uh, graduating university. Uh, on to the next step of grad school. I'm very excited about the research that I'm doing. 
Uh, I think there's a crisis that men are experiencing worldwide, and I'm uh, extremely interested in being a voice uh, to be an advocate for men and men's sexual. I health. want to have that conversation with you. Yeah, I I think yeah. it is an extremely important one. I agree. And, uh, I love you, Randy. I thank you so much for your time and your. Oh my energy. gosh. Shane, it is fantastic to see you again. We really need to have you back on the show. And uh, Chris is going to share our, our contact info. Well, I have a few words too. Uh, despite the the ever uh, inevitable and quite boring forecast for a, an upcoming shitstorm uh, this year, I'm going to manifest the opposite of that. Uh, at least manifest the fortitude to weather anything that comes my way. Um, I think we're in a collaborative reality. I think yes. it's important that we maintain our centers and ourselves, uh, know what we are willing to comply with and what we uh, refuse to comply with and stand our ground. Um, there's a lot to be said about that. And I think it, we are constantly um, diminished uh, as far as our sovereignty and our place in this whole interactive field of experience. Um, and I think, I don't know, I foresee a lot of growth and a lot of people in this community and hopefully a much wider community in realizing that, taking the reins and steering this thing in a, in a more positive place. But yes, uh, thank you so much for having us, Randy. It's been fantastic. You are a huge inspiration for The Melt as far as your podcasts are concerned and all the, the, the content that you've created throughout the years. Huge inspiration to me. So it was a big honor to be here. And Shane, great to see you again. Um, we need to have you both on the show. Uh, if you want to check out our podcast, which is The Melt, you can go to themeltpodcast.net uh, and everything you need to know is there. So it is so much. Is. Dana, are you still oh, with God. us? <laughs> you're, yes. You're back. I'm going to keep it simple and say, I'm glad you're back. Yes. I'm really oh, glad you're back. Thanks. Thanks. And thank Appreciate you. Appreciate that. Me. Did Nish depart? She might have. Yeah. She said she's she like, cooking. She's listening. Yeah. She's, she, she, she had a very busy day production wise. She showed up sacrificially. <laughs> um, to, to, to be my police woman in the, uh, in the chat room, which she did very ably folks, all your discourse over there was not unnoticed by me. I did peek once in a while and I did pick up some of the chats on here as well. And, um, I'm mostly positive and mostly very, um, supportive of what we're doing. That gives me hope. Um, why do this if we can't make a difference? Um, let's see. Anybody else? Anybody else want to pop up their hands um, and be heard saying anything as we exit out? Welcome back, brother. Glad to see. Glad you're Thanks. doing it. Thanks. Yeah. You were missed. All right, that's a wrap for tonight. I don't have a closing. We'll just leave it by saying, as we've always said all these many years, truth is out there. It's inside you. Now is the time to um, turn it loose and um, dance with the dragon. Love you all very much. Peace. <laughs>